0: Hey Melody. Hey Peter. What's up, Drew?
1: How's it going? (laughs) Always delayed.
0: (laughs) Welcome to How College Works. Today we have a visitor. I'm going to say the most important visitor we will ever have on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Jan, would you please introduce yourself?
2: I'd be happy to. Um, I'm Dr. Jan Weitzel, and I am the president of our college.
0: So Jan is my boss's boss and basically my super boss (laughs) if i piss jan off i am packing my bags very quickly i think the way that works
2: i cannot imagine that happening
0: (laughs) today we have the president of our college so jan i don't actually know super well what do you do
2: (laughs) what is my job oh interesting question the thing that makes the job of the president a little bit different than a professor and i was a professor for over 20 years is that every single day is different. Mm -hmm. When I was a professor, I knew that I had class at eight o'clock in the morning, I had class at um, 11 o'clock, and I had a class at 1.30. I knew where I was supposed to be every moment of the day. Today, when I get up in the morning, before I leave for work, I have to look at my calendar. Who am I meeting that day? Where am I going that day? I typically walk to work. Do I need to take my car because I have to be someplace? every day is different. I think one of the things to recognize is that different colleges, different types of colleges and universities have different roles played by the president. At big research institutions, a big part of that president's job is fundraising. And while that is a part of my job, it doesn't It isn't as large a part as it might be at a major research institution when I'm trying to get a corporation to give us $20 million for a new piece of science equipment, for instance.
0: That's a nice piece of science equipment. That would be a nice
2: piece, (laughs) now you got it. So it differs by institution. It also differs in terms of whether you're a state school or an independent school. In a state school, you might have three or four state institutions with one chancellor and three or four presidents, sometimes it's a president with three or four chancellors, and again, that person, whether it's the person who is working with an individual campus or the, the umbrella campus, there may be state funding issues that have to come into play, there may be needing to work with individuals at different campuses to get a particular program through. Your school might have an emphasis on one area, a different school in your state might be something else. I can use Iowa for instance. Um, The University of Iowa is all about the med school. Mm -hmm. Iowa State is much more agriculturally aimed and the University of Northern Iowa is about teacher education. So it's different in different places. My experience has been mainly with independent institutions, small to medium-sized institutions. So my job is to really have the big picture of the institution. To be able to look at our college, for instance, and work with the vice presidents in the different areas, but have a working knowledge of the finance, have a working knowledge of fundraising and the alumni, a working knowledge of the academics, a working knowledge of the physical plant and to be able to take any given situation and make sure that you're making the decisions that are truly in the best interest of the students, but also in the best interest of the college as a whole. So that's part of my job. Of course, fundraising is a part of my job. I do travel for the institution. I meet with donors, I meet with alumni. Because our institution has an organization that oversees us, I also work with that organization as well. So fundraising absolutely is a part of my job. I feel another important part of my job is working closely with the students. And I have to say, truly, that's one of the parts that I enjoy the most. Having been a high school teacher for many years, a college professor for 20 years, I miss the classroom. I miss having that captive audience that you all have, yeah, where darn it, sit there and listen to me, you know. But to have those discussions with the students—that's that truly is a big, um, exciting part of my day. Awesome.
1: So I was just noticing, like, I guess if you're coming from high school, the closest thing to a president would be a principal, mm-hmm. but they're not doing a lot of fundraising. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, Drew, would Would you think, I mean, you have not been a principal, um, but,
1: but does it sound a
0: like lot. a principal? Does it sound like a superintendent?
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, I think it's a little bit of 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 all of those things. Just the way universities or colleges are set up into different schools, that makes it seem like a, a superintendent. But, the, I mean, the principal does have to know about fundraising on campus mm-hmm. and the quarterback club and mm-hmm. the drill team and whoever else and, and be able to approve that these activities are happening because all of that money is basically tied to a public school, in my case, and you, you can't fundraise for a public school without some oversight happening. So, you know, and we've had teachers fired over mishandling the books. They weren't doing anything criminal. They just were not handling the books properly, the mm. way you have to do with public money. Mm. And, and once the parents donate to the name of XYZ High School, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, seen as this is, this is now public money to deal with. So, and I, you know, the principal does have to know all of those things about what's my site happening. And The high school in my town right now is getting funded uh, reconstruction, and they're having to dig up dig up pipes and everything, and the principal had to go on campus because they found some bones that turned out to be cow bones.
1: Ooh. Oh, um, interesting. So, you know. <laughs> Bone supervision, yeah. Yeah. also a principal's <laughs> job. Yeah.
2: I was going to say it's interesting because my daughter is a principal. She's oh, no. um, she's a middle school principal in a school district in the St. Louis area. And when we talk, our jobs are very, very similar. Okay. Um, a president of a college such as ours, I have one boss and my boss is the board of directors. Mm-hmm. In her situation, she has a superintendent and she has a, a board of directors as well. So when we talk about our jobs, I think I agree with what you're saying Drew is that a principal has to again have that big picture in mind whenever a decision is made. I can see a very a lot of similarities there. Definitely.
0: So is it correct to say that you're the captain of the ship of the co- like do you call all the shots? I mean, how much I mean, so we've joked that if I make you mad that I'm that I'm packing <laughs> my bags, but how much control do you have over different aspects of the college? Because we talk at different functions and committee meetings that we're both on, but it's not like I'm in your office very often, or that you're mm-hmm. in my office very often. And academically, I don't think we really have any interaction mm-hmm. at all. So, where like so, where does your power sort of authority, let's say, begin and end?
2: Well, one of the things that in, in a college situation is that. As the president, I also have reporting to me vice presidents. Um, I have a vice president who is your immediate supervisor, the vice president for academic affairs. Um, I have a vice president who is in charge of student life. I have a vice president who looks at finance in buildings, someone in um, institutional advancement. So a lot of what I have to rely on is each of those people doing their jobs. Um, and so when it comes to, for instance, with faculty, I just reviewed a set of evaluations having to do, I believe, for people who were uh, contracted and coming back, non-tenured people. Mm-hmm. Actually, you <laughs> both were in that yeah. pile Sweet. now that I think about <laughs> it. And so I rely on the Vice President for Academic Affairs to give me that information so that then I can take a look at it. And if, if there's a, some sort of a red flag, I would get back in touch with her. But one of the things that I have had to learn to do is to not get in somebody else's sandbox. My job was vice president of academic affairs. And there are times that I just want to get in there and change things and do things. But I know we have a person whose job that is. And so I have to learn to step back and let the vice presidents do their jobs but they then report to me. We meet once a week for two hours at a minimum, and the beginning of each of those meetings, each of the vice presidents gives an update of her area.
0: So it's more kind of like overseeing, so not like the fine grain, Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna go meddle with the finances or tap some professor for good or bad, but rather just Wait. You you have to wait for something to come up to you, mm-hmm. and then you can pass your eyeballs across it and make, right. a, make a decision.
2: I think that's fair, and I think, too, though, that there are times that I will take something to the vice presidents. Mm-hmm. If I have heard something, if I have seen something, if a student comes to me with a concern or a parent, I would take it back out then to the vice president and ask that person to do the investigating and bring the information back to me.
0: Okay. So... Drew, it's been a long time since I was in high school. <laughs> How often do high school students talk with the principal? Because as I recall, as one of the 12 ranked first in my, my class because we didn't do plus minus grading, I would not have been first if they had. Uh, I, I, like, I don't think my principal or vice principal would have been able to even recognize me because I was never oh, in no. the office.
3: Huh. No, they, they knew who we were. Our parents talked with them.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, the Highland Boys. Yeah. Yeah, we they, had a sister they, who they, came they first.
3: Know who uh, they know the good kids too. I, you know, so you're asking like how frequently students in general see the principal? Yeah. yeah. I mean, aside from let's set discipline aside because the vice principals do that. Yeah, the, I mean the principal does talk with the you know the student body kids that do the student senate and do the the student body president and all of those things, and. You know, all of the clubs and club advisors, he at least contacts them, uh, or she um, contacts them through the year. Uh, Our principal at at the high school I was working at the last four years, he would come into our our classes and do some certain things a couple times a year, which, I mean, I hope that's normal. I hope that's regular. That was pretty brand new for principals I worked with. He was a a really good principal. (laughs) He still is. He's still there. I'm not. I I don't know i think it's pretty regular he he would he would try to make the contact with students not always have to be disciplined and and whatever that just comes up when it comes up but be able to reach out and have positive contacts and be in the hallways and say hi to everybody so you know it's not inaccessible Mm -hmm. if if that's what you're asking
2: i was going to say and drew don't you think that's important because the principal doesn't want the first interaction with a student to be a negative one and so if you can set up that positive rapport with a high school student, for instance, and then that student has an issue, it's easier to have that conversation.
3: Oh, okay. most definitely. I, and, and you know, at the high school level, it's with the parents as well. Like, oh, the first mm-hmm. phone call I get is how terrible my kid is. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, it, I can, I remember going to university, and my roommate would uh, actually spoke to the, the president of the university a handful of times, maybe, maybe once a year. And I was just kind of like surprised that, yeah, he would go make an appointment with the principal and go talk with the principal about, I think his parents had some parking issue that they, like you took that to the president of the university. (laughs) That was uh, one of my trumpet player friends.
1: Uh, Trumpet players. Yeah, Yeah, trumpet
3: players.
1: (laughs) I used to play the trumpet. so I could say that. Oh, Yeah. this makes
0: so much sense to me now. Does
1: it? Because Dr. Cook is always telling me about the different instruments. Didn't you play trumpet, Drew? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right.
3: So, yeah, I agree, the, the, a, a positive interaction first, and, and especially a large, high, our high schools in our town are probably 1,800 to 2,000 kids, depending on the year, and so it's easy to hide and pretend like nobody knows me or cares. Mm-hmm. And at university, I went to a university with 30,000 undergraduates, so it's easy to hide and be anonymous.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I went to college, I have no idea who my college president was. I have absolutely no idea. Well, and I
2: think
3: that's
2: true. The institution I came from had about 16,000 students. And I could walk across the campus with the president, and Mm -hmm. nobody recognized who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, I think everybody does. Mm -hmm. And there are great aspects of that. Um, I love the interaction I'm able to have with the students. I try to go to as many events as I can. I like going to the ball games, I like going to the concerts, um, went to a performance on campus on Saturday night. We had an outside organization, a dance organization come in, and I sat behind a group of students and had the opportunity to speak with them. And again, I think it goes back to that having a positive first relationship before having to deal with something that might be negative.
3: Mm.
0: So how often do you deal with students? I'm assuming that periodically you have, I, I think for us it's SGA, Student
3: mm-hmm. Government, Government
0: Association yep. or something. Um, so I assume that you would also be talking with them, but I mean, in terms of not just seeing them on campus, but do you often have students in your, in your office?
2: Uh, not often, um, I would say every couple of weeks I might have a student come in. I think my interactions with students are more when I'm out walking around the campus, I go to the dining hall. I think that's when I interact with the students the most. But absolutely, if a student contacts me, I want to meet with that student. If uh, I have a young woman, for instance, who would like to come in and speak to me about a topic, the piece of advice that I would give to students is to try to make an appointment ahead of time and to let the president or the president's assistant know the topic of that conversation. Let's say, for instance, in a college dining hall, a, a, a student doesn't feel as if there are enough vegetarian options. Or let's imagine that the students wanted more free hours to swim at the college pool. Telling the president ahead of time that I'd like to talk about vegetarian options in the dining hall gives that president the opportunity then to reach out to the manager of the dining hall, find out what current policy is, and that might save a meeting or two down the road, at least to go in with some working knowledge. Because mm-hmm. if you ask me right now, I know that our college has vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free, but I don't know how often. I know it's every meal, but I don't, realize, I, I don't know enough about the logistics to be able to answer the question. If I reached out to our chef, I had some information, I would be prepared for the meeting when that student came in. But to answer your question, Peter, I think for the big part, um, most of my interactions are out on campus and at events.
1: So more social. Mm, yes, yeah. more social. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't get the social, like, the social aspect of students a whole, whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, they get weird when I, tr- you was, know, like if I show up question, at a place. They're like, eh. <laughs>
0: uh, the, there's a question over the summer during the workshop about, like, oh. do, do professors go to parties? Oh, yeah. Was like, you mean Student parties? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> no. no. Now and that
1: could get you in trouble. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that will get us immediately called the principal's office. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah, huh. Right, like, I don't know, so like there our social interaction is somewhat limited and then of course we're giving a grade, so True. the it puts a, a different sort of stress on any kind of friendly interaction, even if it's just at Walmart, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, Oh, you're wearing clothes that don't match and I'm like, I was hoping not to see anyone <laughs> But of course I always do.
0: So In terms of the interactions that come through your office, as opposed to, we'll come back to Mm -hmm. out and about with the president. (laughs) That should be your podcast. That should be your podcast, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So do students generally come with complaints Complaints, or requests?
1: Yeah, and when is it, like, when should... When shouldn't they contact you? When When are you not their first option? Like, you know, we've talked about, well... You need to come talk to us, and then if we can't get it fixed, then you go to the VPAA, and then I'm guessing you can work it up the chain. But you know, like, they probably shouldn't come to you like, oh, well, I didn't get the grade I wanted on this assignment. I'm making an appointment with the president. Uh,
0: okay. No, yeah, that's a, that's, do I know president. that's not okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I want her to say that. <laughs>
2: but I will say it happens. And when that happens, my first question always is, have, have you, you first talked to the professor? have you talked to the vice president have you talked to the, or the, the dean have you talked to the vice president have you worked through what the student handbook says that you should do mm-hmm. in that type of a situation so i'll listen to the student because i really do believe that everybody needs to be heard and even if the answer that i have to give to somebody is not what he or she wants at least to be able that student or that professor or that staff member to be able to say, well, at least Dr. White will listen to me. Mm-hmm. But I will always, I will always say that you need to start where you're supposed to start. Start with the professor, mm-hmm. talk with Peter, and find out what was it um, that caused your grade to be as it is. And then, if you're not pleased with that, then go through the process as it's outlined in the handbook. But now, when students come to see me, it's a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be a, a complaint um, about a professor or about an interaction that uh, that student has had with a staff member, or it could be a change in policy. Just, just recently I had a student contact me because um, she wanted to get the use of a square, mm-hmm. like the credit card reader, yep. in the dining hall and it was a project she was doing for a class wanted to talk about philanthropy and giving back and she was making this available to the college if we wanted her to purchase it and give it to us Mm. now for that i am definitely not the right person to talk to you need to talk to institutional advancement because it is a donation and you would need to talk to the business office to find out how that would work what kind of rules (laughs) there would be around it But that is an example of a conversation that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. I do on occasion have students who say, I can't pay my bill. Mm -hmm. Again, I will listen. I will be sympathetic if I need to be sympathetic, which I should be. But then I need to tell her where she needs to go in order to get that dealt with. I can't fix it, but I know who can at least investigate it and perhaps give some relief.
1: We had Amy on and she told told us to, and students that if they're having trouble paying a bill, go see the business office, I'm reiterating this. Well,
0: and we also had Sherry on, and if you have trouble paying tuition, talk go. to financial
1: aid, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm just like, I don't know. Students are always forgetting these little details. Well, I mean, it's intimidating. Like, it these, is. These
0: are people who are in positions of serious power and authority over your education and something which is very important, and so it can be super intimidating to walk into and the for, business
3: office. For a lot of your students, it's the first time that they've been responsible to have these conversations about, mm-hmm. man, some of the conversations are brand new, like paying for school. Yeah, Right. Yeah.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> you know, which really does bring up an important point, and that is that the students and the students' parents need to understand the difference between college and high school. When a student is 18 years old, the college cannot reach out to the parents without the student's permission. It's not allowed. Uh, And that's all colleges everywhere. And so when a parent calls and asks a professor a question or asks me a question, why am I getting such and such? Why is my student getting such and such a grade? My first response is, I cannot give you that information without your student's permission. But then there's always, I try to work into the conversation. Your student is an adult isn't it time for your student to start taking on these responsibilities and advocating for herself or himself?
0: Yes, I've had very few communications from from parents, but my default is, please talk to my boss. (laughs) That is, I cannot discuss that with you, and if you have a grievance, it's above my pay grade.
2: (laughs) I have to say, at my previous institution, uh, we had baccalaureate, masters, and doctoral degrees. I had parents of graduate students oh, who wow. would call me.
0: Oh, that's embarrassing. You oh. know, these
2: are 30- and 40-year-old people <laughs> who should know by now how to advocate for themselves. And I would listen, but then it was, you know what? I think maybe your son or your daughter needs to come talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree with you, Drew. It's very different, very, very different for students who pass from that year 17 to that year 18 maybe move out of mom and dad's house for the very first time and need to learn to take on that responsibility without helicopter parent being there to swoop in and fix everything.
3: Well, especially for, for you know top students who maybe breezed through and, and slept through high school without too much challenge academically where like your day in high school looks like Uh, Come home, play some PlayStation, go to school, uh, fake some homework real quick before it's due. And now you go to college, and we're in the big leagues, and, you know, nobody's cooking mac and cheese for me when I get home. I have to do my own, you know, meal finding. I have to do my own finances. I have to – the calendar and the schedule is suddenly my own – living on your own is scary.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a as a big step. And Chef Boyardee ravioli is was my go to when I stayed was, on campus over the summer. It
1: was pretty good. Don't try it now as an adult. It's not as good.
0: I mean, it's it's always better heated, straight <laughs> straight from the can, is is you're your low rent if you're straight from the can.
1: Oh, it is just really just. I it's mean, a step up from ramen. I still like ramen. Well, I can tell
2: you a quick story. My, you were talking about musical instruments. My older daughter started college as a marimba major, you know, the big wooden xylophone. Mm. Yeah. And she was part of a marching band that was the top marching band in that state. She played percussion. And because she was a music major and she had to audition for different groups at the college level, her hours got messed up and she wasn't paying attention. And then she was on a full academic scholarship and at the end of the year, like two weeks before the end of the year, she discovered she only had 17 hours. In order to keep her academic scholarship, she had to have 18 hours. She called me in a panic. Now, mom could have gotten involved. I was a provost at another institution. I could have, but I told her that she needed to go stake out the office where the decision was made. I said, take a pillow and a blanket and a book if you need to, You need to get this figured out. I said, I promise you, there is a way to work this out. You just need to find the right person. End of the story, she had to take a camping class that summer
3: for one hour. Yes.
2: cost me $600 for her to take that camping class. But by gosh, she kept her academic and music oh. scholarships. It probably paid off
0: in the <laughs> long run. I hope that was some really nice tents. $600. It
1: was for the credits, not yeah. for the tents. But she gave up her uh, marimba major, by the way, and went
2: to English is where I always thought she would be anyway. Yay.
1: yay.
0: <laughs> so is there any pers- advice or particular perspective that you would like students who are coming to a college president To have when they sort of are stepping in that office in terms of what you can do what you can't do what is it that they should know so that when they walk in you have sort of fewer awkward silences and well (laughs) kind of responses
2: I think the first step is to always make that appointment Mm -hmm. it is very hard at, at some institutions just to walk into a president's office so reach out to the president's assistant make an appointment And as i said before make sure that you at least give a taste as to what that topic might be but i think beyond that it's knowing exactly what you're asking Uh, just to hem and haw around a topic i will sometimes come right out and say if melody is a student melody what is it that you are asking me to do what step would you like me to take and i think the students need to think that through and say this when i talk to dr weitzel when i talk to the president this is what i'm asking her to do it's that being part of the solution what is it that you think the steps should be in order to address whatever the issue is that's on your mind so be prepared and that's another,
3: that's another paradigm. i'm sorry to interrupt you this is another paradigm shift from mm-hmm. high school which is to let the adults decide for me so to, mm-hmm. to come to the table with a solution is a big change and that's a, that's a great pro tip
1: I forget sometimes. Even though I'm working and I have uh, first-year students in my classrooms, oh, every time Drew says stuff, I'm like, ah. <laughs> 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 I need to remember these things better, you know, because I see adults in charge of their mm-hmm. own. But, I mean, brand okay. new adults, <laughs> mm-hmm. fresh out of...
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good reminder. I mean, I hope our listeners get good information out of this, but one of the things which has probably been the most useful to me is just reminding me who my students yeah. are, mm-hmm. you know, and where they are. It's really, really easy to lose track because I graduated high school.
1: Just go ahead and say it.
0: A, in, nine, in 98. How many years ago That's was that?
1: 19 years.
0: Oh, man. That's going to be 20. Yes, yeah, so next year's going to be 20
2: at the end of this academic year. Particularly in the fall semester, the students you
3: have right
1: now,
2: I mean, not to be insulting, but they are baby (laughs) college students. I mean, they're still trying to remember what time class is. They're still trying to set their clocks to get up in the morning. They're still remembering that you have to be at the dining hall between these hours and these hours if you want to get food.
3: And They're trying to make friends.
2: So yes. Oh my gosh, how hard is that to come where you know no one and try to create that social circle? And you're away from you know your safety net, and you're trying to develop a new safety net. Now, those freshmen are in a, in a tough situation, but for any of your listeners, I think the. Biggest piece of advice you've gotten probably through all of these shows is to ask.
1: Yeah. Ask actually yes. questions. Yes. <laughs> you know, that don't is...
2: sit and stew. Find somebody and ask the question.
1: I just had to I got an email yesterday, someone was freaking out about printing. And they're like, well, the this printer's not working, and I think that was almost out of ink, and I don't know the library hours. And I'm like, whoa, okay, well, I'm literally sitting in the library. Let me just go ahead and link you to the library's homepage. Mm-hmm. The hours are posted here, but I don't think it had crossed her mind to think, I mean, I think she was in panic mode. Mm-hmm. She was thinking about, like, the printers, and I just don't know, you know, and I'm like, okay, here's this information. But, yeah, I was like, oh.
0: Yeah, I think most is what I college libraries, I mean, to go off topic a little bit, college, most college libraries are open kind of ridiculously late.
1: Yeah. They can be, yeah. but I mean, so on Sundays, our is open from 2 to 11. So, and I actually came in at like one fifty-eight, and I was like, oh, the door won't open. So I had to like sit on the steps for a little while. But I just happened to be there, and I knew what the exact hours were, because I was like, why isn't my card letting me in? And it was because it was not 2 o'clock. Well, you have a perspective that Peter and I don't, at least Peter doesn't have yet. Cause Theo... My child is only five
0: and a half. Yes.
1: Yeah, you have some time. And um, I mean, my dogs don't go to college. <laughs>
0: Not yet. Yet. Yet.
1: They might. I, I think it's hard for at least me to see the parent perspective sometime, but it has to be, it has to be tricksy to let children go. Especially, I was looking um, at the in the library yesterday, it was like, what is the hardest part about the first few weeks of college, and someone had written, being 20 hours away from home, and I was like, you can't drive that in a weekend, you can't go home and see, you could, I would not. You
0: gotta, you gotta really mean it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, don't do it, 20 hours is way too much, stop, it's bad advice, <laughs> but I was just, that kind of, I was like, oh yeah, you know, like, to be that far away where you can't even, like, you know, go when you have like an emergency where you could drive and just decide to give up a day, to go do that. And I was like, oh, so it kind of. I was like, hmm, made my, made me a little sad. Well, I think today um, the
2: parents and the students both are much more at an advantage than I was when my children went to college. We had email and the phone, but you know the texting today. You know, the parents can be in touch with their students, and I always tell the parents at opening con- or opening um, of the college is that if a student doesn't text you right back, that doesn't mean that he or she is in any danger. No, it might be that... It
0: means they're in my class. In
2: class. Or and I'm staying, giving them the stink eye. Or maybe even having fun with a friend. Yeah. You know, don't, don't jump to the worst conclusion. You know, give them a little time. Give them a little space, and that's important. But as a parent, absolutely, it is hard to uh, send your child away to college and um, know that he or she is responsible for all of the decisions that are made. I another another story I can tell is that my when my daughter was a freshman in college, I got a phone call at three in the morning. Panic sets Mm -hmm. in. I answer the phone. I said, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And she's sobbing on the other end of the line. She was 18 years old. I said, "What happened? What happened?" Well, Malady, you'll appreciate this. She said, "I have a paper due at eight in the morning, and I can't write the conclusion." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a point at which I thought, "Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Let
0: me know how that goes." (laughs) But
2: no, we talked through the conclusion, and she was fine. But I think it's a lot of the stress. The stress really builds up, and the littlest thing can be a monster and a mountain to overcome. You know, so I think as professors, and we just have to remember who our students are, who they are in that classroom. And, you know, sometimes we don't know whose grandma has passed away, who's broken up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, who is just plain homesick. And there are a lot of pieces of a, of a student's life that we just don't know. You know, and Drew, in high school, you perhaps know that a little bit better. I think I, I knew my high school students well enough that I had a sense of what was going on in their lives. But as a college professor, we might see that student maybe three hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, do we have enough information to really understand what's happening in their lives?
3: Usually I'm nodding (laughs) quite a (laughs) lot. Drew nods.
1: Oh, he's nodding? (laughs) Yes, yes. yes.
0: So I'd like to circle back to, you know, Out and About with the President, your (laughs) forthcoming podcast.
1: (laughs) I see you with an umbrella, like (laughs) walking around campus, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) Just interviewing students. Hi. Um, (laughs) So that's a different interaction than a student who is in your office for (laughs) a meeting of some official capacity. Are students
2: super awkward with you? When not first at least. Meeting? I have to say they are not at least awkward, but that's Would you like them to be more co- awkward? <laughs> 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 no. You know, I think that's different at different schools. When the students know who you are, when I go to the cafeteria and I walk around among the tables and I stop and I talk to students, I think they see that I want to know who they are, that perhaps I'm approachable, but different presidents are different. You can't have that expectation mm-hmm when you go to each and every institution. No, it's, it really, Peter, it's not awkward. Um, I, as I said the other night when I went to the dance concert, I sat behind some students um, and had a comfortable conversation with them. They were really getting into it and were singing yeah. and dancing in their chairs and on and on. And I told them later, I said, you know, there was as much dancing going on in the row in front of me as there was on the stage. But ball games, in fact, I worked with a student today who is giving a speech at an international convention. We went over to the uh, auditorium and worked with the microphone and we went through her speech two different times and we stopped and we talked through it because I want her to be able to represent herself in as positive a way as she can. We go, as I said, we go to as many concerts as we can and we go to all of the plays. Because I want students to know that I think those activities, as well as the classroom, all of those activities create who the people are. Um, I always believe the classroom comes first, 100%, but they're not just getting an, an academic education. They're also growing and maturing and becoming the people that they're meant to be. And all of these other activities, the engineering club and... Working as a writing tutor, those are all part of the people that
1: they're going to be someday. Shout out to writing tutors. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> a few of them listen. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
0: The engineering club got a sh- plenty of shout outs last.
1: Yeah, because your plenty calendar you. kept going off saying <laughs> an engineering club meeting. <laughs> yeah.
0: And this may be like just the answer is no. Is Are there any particular like clues or tips for, like, if you see, if you're like, oh, hey, that's the college president who's, like, walking by, or, I mean, just a general, not you specifically, but a general college president, or you notice that you're, like, next to them in line, sh- should you say hello to them? Should you not? How should you broach that? I mean, is there sort of a better or worse way to sort of make contact in a random social situation?
2: One of the... Um students that I remember, and I've had thousands of students over the years, but I will always remember Bob because Bob came to my writing class. The first four days of class, he came in and said, hello, Dr. Weitzel, I'm Bob, and then he'd say something else. He helped me remember who he was. He helped me put that name in my mind, and today I know who Bob (laughs) is. My, My advice is if the president isn't involved in a deep conversation with somebody, it doesn't hurt at all to go up and say hi Dr. Weitzel, hi President Weitzel, I'm Peter Highland. it's really nice to meet you. It helps that person, it helps the president recognize you the next time, maybe put a name with a face. I don't think you can go wrong introducing yourself. Um, I wouldn't interrupt the person, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, if nice. something else is if she or he is talking with a donor or someone that you don't know. But if there's an opportunity to introduce yourself, absolutely do so. And I would say that's one of the things that impresses me the most about our students at our campus is that they do not hesitate to come up and introduce themselves. Um, we have an event at the President's House, the last day of move-in time for the freshmen. And they come over to the President's House, and we have a continental breakfast, and they're all over the yard. And, and many, many, many of them will come up, put out, the hand and say, Hello, I am so and so and I'm from whatever state it might be. Can't country. promise you or <laughs> country. I can't <laughs> promise you I'm gonna remember the next time I see that person what the name is, but at least I'll recognize a face. And I think that's a great step toward that being an individual, taking responsibility for who you are.
1: Drew, you've been quiet today.
2: <laughs> I've maybe been too talkative. <laughs>
3: It's it's fine when it's we're hard. Clear. It's hard to cut in when I've got this delay from California. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and you can't see us like you normally can, so you you don't have the visual cues. That's
3: true.
2: Drew, what what advice do you give to students who are coming to college for the first time?
3: We we have just covered like most of the items I I would say to people. I we've talked about asking for help mm-hmm. when you need it. And that's the that was the hardest thing for me. I think to figure out was who to ask and how to ask and, and to really realize, like, hey, I need help with this assignment or I need help getting my alarm to work at eight in the morning mm-hmm. every day, those kind of things. So it, before it gets too late in the semester and you're having to drop a class and, and all of those right. things. I don't know. I've had I've had 12th grade students ask me, how did you know which university was the right one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the and one that accepted me. I <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I still don't have a good answer for that. But, um
0: I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I can jump on that a little bit because yeah, it, it was a bit of a joke from my friends in college that we're all at our second choice.
1: Like, almost all of us in my
0: circle of friends were like, Well, I mean, I applied to Rice and they, I didn't get in. Our sister went to Rice and I visited and I was like, Oh, crap. This is actually <laughs> really nice. Now I kind of want to go here. And then, you know, never heard back from Rice.
3: I'm going to jump in and cut you off. Ha ha. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, I you, you know, you'd ask about what, what do we tell students, and I think students are so focused in high school with, we've got a college and career center, and we've got counselors and everybody who points at college, and the discussion around college in 12th grade and 11th grade is early acceptance, get your applications into UC and, and, and California State, and uh, getting in. What do I need to do to get in? I got to get on the extracurricular teams and, and clubs, and I've got to put this in the yearbook." And our entire discussion is about getting through the gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so, little, there's so little of the conversation is about what happens next. I mean, the lessons I learned in college were not so much of the... I mean, I did learn content, but the stuff that stuck in my head as, as, as difficult lessons to learn for me were, were uh, learning to be a grown-up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think my point is that you get that wherever you go. And as right. long as you have a general idea, like I don't want to do science, I want to do humanities, and you go to a place that has good humanities, like you're going to be okay.
2: And I would add that I don't, I don't think there's one type of college that's right for every single student. Some students function well in a laboratory or in a, in a class of 600 biology students, some students do not. And so, what I tell the students in high school is to not discount any type of school until you've given that school the opportunity. Whether it's a large state school, whether it's a small private school, whether it's a single gender school, don't discount them until you've had the opportunity to learn about them. And I think the biggest mistake that students make is they go someplace because that's where my best friend is going, Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. boyfriend is going, which is a guarantee you're gonna break up. (laughs) Um, it's where my dad went, they have a great football team, but I don't play football. You have to make the decision that's right for you, as Peter said, you know, based on what you want to study, um, and then does it is it the right fit for
1: me personally?
0: Yeah, I mean, go on that campus visit.
1: Right. Wow, oh, yeah, That's a big thing. I just went to a junior college because I didn't have a lot of money, and they gave me the most money opportunity. Mm-hmm. And from there, I used it as a stepping stone. So for me, it wasn't about fit, although I it mean, ended up working what, out. Fit is different for different people. I right? mean,
0: my, right. my dad likes to say you have the, uh, the morals or the ethics you can afford to have. Right. If you're affluent, mm-hmm. you can afford to buy free trade shade, uh, shade-grown coffee. If you just need coffee and you're like and you're, Folgers, yeah, you just like I just need coffee. It's got to be cheap because I don't make well, a lot of money. Well, then you probably
1: are not Folgers. You're probably like the Walmart brand, great value.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> right, and so like if you just got to get to college, and therefore yep. you need the college, which is the college you can afford. That's the right yep. fit.
2: That's right. Yep. And for some students, that community college experience is the right fit mm-hmm. at the right time. Yeah, you know. So you just you just. Look around at all of the options and then pick pick the one that fits for you at that moment. Just don't pick the one that somebody else tells you should, you should. It's just like picking a major. I mean, I would have, oh my gosh, I would have students come in and talk to me and say, I'm in pre-med, but I can't, you know, and they would have C's and D's in their beginning level chemistry and biology classes. Mm-hmm. And they want to be a doctor because that's what my dad says I should do. Hmm. And what do you want to do? And that's a difficult conversation for students, high school students, to have with their parents, is that what you think I should do is not necessarily what I want to do. I want to be a trumpet player, darn
1: it. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, (laughs) Shut your mouth. Well, I actually had that conversation with my parents, and in fact, I... I think my parents were skeptical of my English degrees up until I got my PhD. What can you do with it? How many times did I have parents <sighs> ask me, what is this my child going to do with a degree in
2: English? My answer is become a college president, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I have one,
1: But yeah, like my dad's like, why aren't you doing computers? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't love computers. I love English. And mm-hmm. so I have no regrets. I mean, but when I advise students, I try to be like, you know, listen to, you're going to have to do this for a long time kind of want to enjoy it <laughs> where your heart
3: I mean, is that, you know remove the parent the, the conversation with the parents is challenging enough but remove that obstacle and, and the, the student still has to deal with you know the void staring into the void what is it I really do yeah. want to do and if you've never considered that before age 18 and a half uh you're that can be really frightening too it's like I don't have an answer to that question uh-oh my life is a joke
1: yeah
0: right. I know? mean it's one of the things that I try to tell my students when I have a chance is that you don't have to have it figured out now. That's right. I mean, yeah. you, you need to have a direction to go in, but you don't have to be all like, and here's the next 10 years of my life, and I must hit this mm-hmm. thing, because the, I am rare and lucky in that what I thought I wanted to do when I was a sophomore in high school turns out to actually be the thing I want to do, Me but too. that is super rare. Yeah.
2: Very rare. Yeah. Neither one of my daughters ended up anywhere near what they thought they were going to do. One wanted to do physical therapy, and she's a website design person now, just because she took an art class, yeah. and that changed the direction. So you know, for the incoming students, it's important to kind of try out, try on a bunch of different hats. You know, what you want to take the courses in your major, yes, uh, but try something just for fun, and you might find a new passion.
1: I have a meeting.
0: Yes. So to quickly recap. <laughs> Uh, make an appointment
1: yes
3: make an appointment and ask for help
1: yes Yes. (laughs) okay um know what you want uh well also with the appointment let the person know what you're wanting to discuss so they can prepare and then come in with a solution what do you want to happen like yeah yeah, i say that all the time what do you want me to do for you today (laughs) and usually it's i don't know i'm just here to talk and i'm like that's fine But I need to know, like... Right,
0: like where are we going? Yeah. (laughs) So, and if you meet your college president, be chill. Introduce yourself. Yes. But
1: don't interrupt to do that. Don't interrupt.
0: And read the room. (laughs) Our president is pretty chill. Others are not. (laughs) So you'll probably know Mm -hmm. when you meet them in person. Agreed. Alright, so if you have a question that you want to send to me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Highland D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. If you have a longer request or feedback to give, you can reach me on email, peter.o.hyland, H Y L A N D at Gmail.com. All right. Thanks everyone.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me with you today.
0: Yeah. See everyone next week.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. <laughs>